Welcome to the Uncensored Show with your host, George Atchampal, where we share the mindset, tips, tools, strategies, and stories on how to use your money to do more of what you love and what you were called to do. Money is like gas on a road trip. Sure, you need it to get where you're going, but you're not going on a tour of gas stations. Money fuels your journey. The question is, what's yours? Live life uncensored. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncensored Podcast. And today, you got your host. It's just us breaking down some wealth building formulas. Jacqueline, what's going on? It's just your favorite uncensored advisors talking about building wealth. <laughs> I got to use those features more. I don't use those features that often. Share from the crowd. Absolutely. Absolutely. Guys, well, uh, as of this record, well, should we drop every week? So I don't have, I don't have to like be worried about the date because this is a situation where we didn't batch it and we're actually recording the week of the drop. So we are, what is this, the second to last week in March? Is that where we're at? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, almost the end of March. Um, can you believe it? Q3, excuse me, Q, I'm tripping. Q1 <laughs> is coming to an end. Uh, the year is flying by. So how, how are you feeling about Q1 so far, Jacqueline? feel pretty good about Q1. It's always nice when the weather changes in Atlanta and it gets warm. It's already warm here. So it makes me feel even better about moving into Q2. Um, what do you mean? How do I feel about Q1? From a podcasting standpoint, from a revenue standpoint? Just, a light, just like just how you feel about everything. You know what I'm saying? We're we're a year since the initial lockdown, right? And just, you know, how you feeling about life, everything. That's where I was going to go was the year since the lockdown started. Because I feel like, um, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I can highlight the things that I've done over the last year. So for me, it was really slow around this time last year because I got COVID basically mid-March when we were shutting everything down. So I was sick for about seven weeks. So coming off of being sick for seven weeks and the doctor telling me via FaceTime that I really couldn't work and I needed to just rest to get my strength back, it really propelled me into spending more time on on more of my business projects and writing my book and, you know, creating other business relationships so we could do this dope podcast. And so I feel pretty good about things that have happened in the last year. From that standpoint, I feel like I'm in a pretty good space mentally, financially. So I um, am not a huge fan of the lockdown, but I am a big fan of a lot of the things that it's brought uh, for a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, a whole author, you became a whole best-selling author in the global pandemic. Shout out <laughs> Money Planning and Positivity, uh, which I had the, the gracious opportunity to write the full. Matter of fact, let's do a giveaway right now. So if you leave a review on this episode, uh, we're going to pick the best review. And we're going to ship out. I'm going to ship out one of my copies, which I'm holding close to the chest. Right. I'm just about one of my my copies of Money Planning and Positivity to you. And all you have to do is write a review on Apple Podcasts. Right. So leave a review. We'll read we'll read through some of the reviews and then we'll pick the best one on the next episode. And then we'll somehow find you. Hopefully, hopefully we can find you. I, don't, I haven't thought through those logistics. Hit us up <laughs> on Instagram if, if you're the review that we read. And we'll get that book to you. Money planning. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So Jacqueline, what is on the docket for today? Since it's just you and I, we get to nerd out on a tried and true financial topic. Typically, we we come about it in an abstract way based upon the nature of our guest. But since it's just you and I, what's, what's on the table for today? Yeah. So we're talking about the wealth building formula today. And everybody is in for a special treat because 
What you don't know from the title is that we're going to give you four different wealth building formulas, not one, but four. So you can pick whichever one makes the most sense for you. Absolutely. Hip hop trivia. There's a million ways to get it. Choose one. Choose one. My favorite artist of all time. Mogul of all time. Shout out Jay. Shout out Jay-Z. Exactly. So we're excited to bring those to you. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Well, I'll kick it off because uh, if we got four, we can just keep it simple. I'll, I'll knock out two. Jacqueline can knock out two. And, you know, at the end of the day, you could technically blend some of these together to figure out your own sauce, right? It's not a one size fits all. So, all right. The first wealth building formula that I want to share with you guys is the wealth triangle, right? And if you're watching this, the clip or on YouTube, I, I can't do a triangle. There we go. The wealth building. Oh, there you go. Wait, <laughs> oh, wait. Right. Your Greek life. Isn't this? I think That's I'm not Delta. supposed to do this, right? That's Delta. But we're like, we're like so far removed. Like, it's okay. No shit. Okay. Cool. Shout out to the Delta. Right. It's just a, yeah, it's a triangle. Yeah. Okay. So wealth building um, triangle, right? Okay. So let's talk about it. So one thing that you'll hear me say in shameless plug, I'm, I'm, I'm doing like the 10, uh, 10 steps uh, to becoming a billionaire, um, and I know you're probably thinking, well, you're not a billionaire. How do you know the 10 steps? Well, I studied billionaires and I, mm-hmm. I'm going to become one. But I'm doing a, um, a master class in Pocket Advisor uh, first week in April covering that. But one of the things um, from those steps that I'm going to talk about is that wealth is created through concentration. It's preserved through diversification, right? And so the first part of the wealth building triangle is developing your high income skill set, right? So you are the bag. Secure yourself. That is the first part. When we all start our careers, whether it's a a nine to five or a business, you typically start out charging, you know, a moderate amount and then you evolve and you grow. You get more skills. If you're like Jacqueline, you know, you have all the credentials um, behind your name and that commands a bigger price point. Right. Because she paid with her time. She paid with her expertise and paid with her money to get those credentials. Right. In, In the sense of testing, you can't buy them. You have to earn them. But I say, I say that to say, whatever your mix of your expertise are, whatever the recipe is, over time, you invest in yourself. And as a result of that, whatever it is you do professionally, you're able to charge more for it, right? And as a result of it, you become your first asset, whether it's you, your business, whatever, you become your first asset. And the thought process, though, is you don't allow lifestyle creep to creep in, right? Yeah, you want to reward yourself along the way. The car might get a little nicer. The crib might get a little swankier. But by and large, if you keep increasing your income, there should be a bigger and bigger spread between your expenses and your income, which now creates what margin for you to be able to build wealth, which brings us to the next part of the triangle. Now, if you're an entrepreneur, then the next part of the triangle is super important for you because the next part of the triangle is building a scalable business. And a scalable business is something where people and or systems make you money. So just to go back to the first one real quick, your high income skill set is where you make you money. And there's nothing wrong with that as long as that bag is bag is big, <laughs> right? Nothing wrong with trading time. I always say, I don't trade time for money. Okay, cool story, bro. You know, they put they pay me, you know, a nice little, little bit amount of money to step on stage or to consult. I'm going to do it, right? And I always want to have that in my repertoire. But you can also build a scalable business. And the analogy I always like to use is if I'm a barber, right? Even if I'm a celebrity barber, there's only so many heads I can cut, right? So I might then want to buy a barber shop, right? Or if I'm if I'm teaching somebody how to do something, I'm consulting so consulting to someone in a one-on-one capacity. I might want to create a course instead of just doing it exclusively in a one-on-one capacity, right? 
So you're building a system or you're leveraging people to make you money. In the barbershop example, you have five barbers working for you. And so now you're making money off all those five barbers. In the consulting example, you now have a program or a course where you can teach the same thing that you were previously teaching in a one-to-one capacity. Now you're able to do it at scale because you're leveraging a system, i.e. a course hosting platform to be able to make you money, right? Yeah. And I think I think that there's a there's a bar that I like to use for this. It's the guy who lives in the big multimillion dollar home. He always knew that he was going to be in the home. He just didn't quite know how to get there yet. So I think for those of you who are thinking like, oh, man, like that sounds like a lot. You want me to create a course, create a guide? That sounds like a lot of work. Well, it's the fact of like knowing that you want that dream house and then just figuring out how you get there. So I think that it can be done, but it's more so about knowing what you want as your end goal. Absolutely. And um, Jacqueline's going to elaborate a little bit more on this this quick point um, later when she talks about one of the formulas that she's going to share with you. But if you're a, if a working professional or just someone who doesn't desire to run a business, which I can totally understand, right? Because it's a lot of work. You can buy, right, a scalable business, right? You can own it and not run it. And so I'm not going to elaborate too much on that because she's going to break that down. But just think about that. So don't think like, oh man, I'm missing the one whole side of the triangle because I have no desire to build a scalable business. It's okay. You can buy one or buy into one. Um, and your the high income skill set is still applicable because even if you're, especially in corporate America, right, you're competing with your peers and if they're measuring you against someone else, right, what's going to set you apart? Your experience, your credentials, all that good stuff. So that is always going to be relevant no matter whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you are a uh, working professional. And the last part of the triangle is investing in high return assets. And that's where your money makes you money. And that's the one that everybody comes to me and Jacqueline for, right? They just want to skip over everything. Hey, I heard you guys can help me invest, right? Or that's what financial advisors do. And yes, that is an integral part of the financial planning process. However, it is just one part of the process, right? If you don't have a high enough income skill set that's even creating the margin for you to invest, then your money making you money is not going to feel like much, right? So that's why there's kind of an order of operations to this whole thing. It's like people, you know, hop on Instagram and they see these screenshots of people, you know, with these crazy returns on an, on an options trade when they're not showing you the losses. Um, and they think that that's the, that's the path. They think the shiny ball of making my money work for me is the thing that I need to jump to. And it's not true. You need to manage your money, right? You need to understand how to make enough of it. And then you can maximize it through investing, right? And so that's just, that's the first kind of wealth building formula I want to share with you guys. Any, any thoughts on that, Jeff? Yep. You got to use your money to make more money. That's how it works for, for everybody. You know, for Bezos, that's how it works. It's not a fact of, you know, he just made money. He used that money to make more money. So Mm -hmm. for any of these formulas, that is applicable. Let's jump into our big money energy. Let's jump into it. What's going on, guys? George Atchampong here, founder of Pocket Advisor, the number one financial social network where we do money together. If you've been looking for a community of like-minded, aspiring first-generation millionaires who are marching towards financial freedom, then look no further. Pocket Advisor is here. Pocket Advisor is a financial social network where it's led by a variety of experts, right? We're talking about tax experts, certified financial planners, personal finance, you name it, we got it. And we are your money mentors, right? So if you've ever had a financial goal, Um, milestones that you wanted to achieve, Pocket Advisor is the community that's going to help you achieve that. 
We have monthly challenges, right? To make this process more fun. You're gonna get ongoing accountability. There's gonna be classes, workshops. I mean, everything you can think of to make sure that you can achieve your financial goals, right? And the best part about it is there's a feature called Axe Penny, right? You gotta love it. And that is your financial advisor in your pocket. So if you ever have a question, right? There's something ever that's on your mind. You're like, you know what? I really want a sounding board from someone who knows what they're talking about. I don't want to have to go to Google and decipher between the, um, you know, millions of search results. I want to know that someone can give me some sound insight on a specific financial decision. And that's what you get a chance to do via Pocket Advisor. So if you want to learn more, click the link in the show notes and sign up today. Right. Like there's just a it's a great community of people. You're going to have exactly what you need to achieve your goals. And we can't wait to have you. So our big money energy moment for this week is actually for you guys to meet the first black woman to become president of a major league soccer team. Major league soccer is growing within the U.S. Do you think that's true, George? Do you think major league soccer is growing? Uh, I mean, I'm not a big soccer guy, so it could be. It very well could be growing. I just would not have an answer for you. So I have been to a few Atlanta United games. Atlanta Mm -hmm. United is like our professional soccer team here in Atlanta. And I can't remember what year they came, but it's been recently, like within the last 10 years they've gotten here. And if you go to one of those games, it is crazy energy. It's more energy than going to like a Falcons game or a Hawks game. Like those are our teams here. Um, So it's definitely worth it. So maybe it is growing, but I know that that's a really great experience. So post COVID, we will be there for sure. Hold me to it. One ticket for you, one for Madge on me. Hey, it's on record. (laughs) You can't run from it now. It's on record. So this week, the D.C. United team announced it will appoint Danita Johnson as their new president of operations. This move would make Johnson the first black woman to become president of a major league soccer team in the country. Wow, that's dope. Sell it dope. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. As black women, we're we're making our way to the top, you know, where we should where we should be. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's jump into our next uh, wealth building formula. So this one I'll talk about, and it has a lot to do with, again, money planning and, and positivity, the book that I wrote last year. And inside of the book, I break down the four pillars to a better financial life. And the reason why I did that was for a few reasons, but I mainly wanted people to understand that having an overall fulfilled life doesn't come from just money. And I think that, as Georgia said, I have several credentials, accolades, all of that in the financial industry. And I feel like people need to hear that from a certified financial planner that having a better overall life is not rooted just in your money. So those four pillars are health, they are financial freedom, they are your social wealth and your time wealth. So for this wealth building formula, we know that time wealth plus financial freedom is going to give you that entire wealth building formula that you're looking for. So if we break down time wealth, what is time wealth? Well, that's the ability for you to own your time. 
because having a ton of money in the bank, but not having any time to enjoy that money, what have you really done with your life? There was a post. <laughs> there was a post that I saw the other day that said um, Warren Buffett has like 90 billion or something like 9 billion. OK, I bet he would give 8 billion to be 40 years old again. <laughs> That's there you go. Exactly. Like, and, you know, to, to that end, though, it's like I think it really depends upon the life you live. Right. So it's like 99 percent of the time that would be an accurate statement because most people live in regret or like there's things that they want to do, but they were afraid to do or didn't think they had the time to do it. But if you truly live the life that you want to live, you know, hopefully you get to however old he is. 80 was 90 years on the mm-hmm. it's like, man because I live such a fulfilling life. No, I actually wouldn't want to like the way, right? I would just want to keep living. But I think the I think the takeaway from that is not about him not living his best life. It's that we all have, can can come to terms with the fact that time, right? if I could get more time, because his time's running out, no matter how good his life was, time's running out. And so if I could get that time back, it would be infinitely more valuable than the money itself. So no, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Right. Because what we what we don't want to be is what we, we end up being a lot of times, which is indentured slaves, pretty much. Mm-hmm. You don't want to spend, you know, 70, 80 hours a week doing work for somebody else for you not to get to enjoy your time. You yeah. know, somebody there's there some some other post that I read that was like, you know, there's 52 weeks in a year mm-hmm. for you to only have two weeks of vacation. Mm-hmm. It's not a lot of time for you to live your life. Right. So there was a panel that I did the other week for um, some recent college graduates and they were like, so what's kind of your advice for jumping out here? And I gave some very, you know, prudent financial advice, but I also said, make sure that you're living your life in the same breath, because a lot of times we get out and we get started and we're like, oh, I'm so motivated to do this project. I'm so motivated to get this next designation and to get this next degree and to move up and get this next promotion that you don't even take your vacation days. So you don't even take your two weeks of vacation that you're allotted because you're so scared that your company is going to come down on you and you're going to miss that promotion. Mm -hmm. And I want to just encourage you to spend at least your two weeks a year doing something that you want to do, even if that is just not answering emails for two weeks and relaxing on the couch Make sure that you are enjoying that time as we progress through life because you cannot get it back. Yeah, you know, and it's so funny because like in America, like are we we're so ambition driven. And like if you if you do actually end up making it out to Jamaica in a few weeks, like when, that was the place that reminded me of that when I went a few years ago. It was like they they work, they work to live, they don't live to work, right? It's like working is a necessity to, you know, put food on the table, whatever, but they they just seem so free, right? And it was a reminder for me, like, yeah, we got big money goals and accomplishments, but we got to interwine, inter, intertwine that with enjoying life, right? Which is why in our financial planning process, one of the things that we updated um, recently was really making sure that we were measuring those qualitative aspects of, of what, what you care about, right? How do you define freedom? How do you define happiness? What does wealth mean to you? What does legacy mean to you? And then when you look at a, a seven days, not 30 years from now, not retirement or work optional, as Jacqueline likes to say, but when you look at your the next week, how many things on your 
your calendar are optimized for happiness, for freedom, for legacy, right? And that's what we want to get, really want people to understand is that the time freedom and all those other qualitative elements are just as important as the money in the bank or the resources that you're going to use to be able to do more because the resources just amplify what you're able to do. If you can't think of some things that, that can make you happy to have nothing to do with money, then then we got a real big problem, right? Mm-hmm. The reason why I like I like going through that exercise is like, oh, wait, so we sitting here planning out retirement and investing and budgeting and blah, blah, blah. When I actually just put down that I like spending time with my dog or I like to go play golf or like I can do all of that right now, right? And so it's very eye-opening for people that you're not delaying your happiness. The money just amplifies what you can do, whether it's the Maldives or Myrtle Beach. You know what I'm saying? You still can have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the resources are just going to amplify the level or the caliber of what you're able to do. You know, a lot of people are looking for alternate ways to make additional income, whether that's so that they can pay off their debt so that they can, you know, travel more or so that they can, you know, save and invest more. They're just looking for ways to make more money. And sometimes, you know, getting another job isn't the answer. Maybe sometimes your business is, you know, doing exactly what it can do right now, but you're just looking for that ideal way to make some significant extra income. And so I've tried out a lot of different things. And over the years, I've figured out some things that have worked really, really well. And I wanted to make sure that you guys had access to those resources. So I put together what I call the Side Hustle Bootcamp. And in this bootcamp, I'm going to tr- show you four tried and true ways. One that I absolutely love um, that will show you how to put more money in your pocket. I'm talking not hundreds, but thousands upon thousands of dollars that you can use um, to benefit you, right? Whether whatever the goal is, whether you want to travel more, whether you want to put some more money in the bank, whether you want to invest more, save more, um, do something nice for your kids or for your significant other, the Side Hustle Bootcamp is going to show you how to do that. So if you haven't already, click the link in the show notes, check it out. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss out on this opportunity. This information can, can completely transform your financial situation. So check it out. I'll see you on the inside. I've made it extremely affordable so that there's no excuse and no buried entry. See you soon. Exactly. And that's like a good segue into part number two of this entire equation. So remember, it's the time wealth, but it's also the financial freedom. Mm -hmm. So the financial freedom is going to be rooted in the financial literacy and how well you understand that piece. And so it's funny because we can also we maybe should have taken this uh, this formula last because that financial freedom piece that may be like going back to the triangle you know, maybe all three of those pieces of the triangle fit into the financial freedom piece because you're like, oh, well, let me build a scalable business. So it's less time that I'm trading. Exactly. So it's like, okay, how do you figure that financial freedom part of the equation? Mm -hmm. I think that the first part is going to be the financial literacy piece, because what I like to say when people are like, oh, who is your ideal client? Who would you want to have as your ideal client? Well, my ideal client is anybody who really could do their own financial planning and investment management, right? Like you you obtain, you have the wherewithal, right? You are a smart individual. 
you could learn it if you really wanted to. You could dedicate the time to it if you really wanted to. But you know that your life is better spent focusing on your craft and building your high income skill set. And it's better for you to delegate this task to somebody who wants to do it full time. So that would be my ideal client. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when understanding this financial freedom piece, because that's how we're going to build true wealth or what we define as true wealth, how are you going to fill in that gap there? How are you going to fill in the financial freedom equation? There's a lot of ways that you can do that. So let's move into the third formula that maybe somebody will pick up the pieces there and and fill that in for themselves. Absolutely. Right. So this one's going to seem a little abstract, um, but because it's a perfect segue to what Jacqueline just said about if if freedom is the goal, right? And we're trying to figure out what are the ingredients and the sauce to, to formulate that freedom. You got to have a game plan. How do you back into that? So that's a perfect segue. And so she mentioned um, like if in your in your triangle, the reason why you're building the scalable business is because, you know, it can kind of give you your time back and you need to maybe understand the pathway to exactly what that looks like. Right. So there's this model called the dares model. Right. That essentially allows you to build that infrastructure in a way that really can make sure that it is truly something that you can remove yourself from. So when you're thinking about building this new scalable business, like now let's really have a process to back into that. So what is the first first letter in the dares model? Right. Is it digital? Right. So imagine having all the brick and mortar companies that the only way they can make money is if someone walked through their doors. We all know what happened to them last year. Right? Well, yeah, last year, but it's also very 1975, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. If you don't, you know, so some, the only way you can make money is if someone walks through your doors or knocks on your door or picks up the phone. Not only is that really cutting you off from a lot of opportunity, it's also going to suck you in because you have to be present for that. Right. So the first question you want to ask yourself when you are building that business is it digital, right? Can I sell it online, right? The next the next thing you want to ask yourself, is it automated? Because if it's not automated, then what that means is you or someone has to fulfill whatever it is you're selling, right? So is it automated? Can I put the online course on, on Kajabi and someone checks out and then they automatically get their credentials to log in and then they can access the course? Or do they buy the course and I got to send them a link? Seems simple, but that could be a bottleneck, right? And so it's like, do I have the automations in place so that my digital digital offer can be automatic, automated? Because if it's automated, then you can remove yourself or another human from the process. Then in an ideal scenario, you want to ask yourself, is it recurring, right? Can I sell this one time? And as long as I'm continuing to provide value in an automated way, um, can I continue to make money from it? Right. Because if you sell it one time, you, you can just get, get, get to a target. Like, okay, let me just keep marketing this until I get to this point. Once I get to this point, granted, I still have to factor in attrition and churn and things of that nature, but I got money coming in every month. Netflix, right. Hulu, right. These are subscription models. There's endless, uh, endless other options, but is it recurring? Then the next question you want to ask yourself, is it evergreen, right? Is it evergreen? What it, and what evergreen means is, is it always available? Or do you have to like do a special launch, right? Like you see, and there's nothing wrong with it. There's different approaches, but you see people doing like these big product launches. The problem is, guess what? In a few weeks or a few months, you got to do another big product launch, right? So is it evergreen? Yeah. You know, or, yeah. Right? I think, or, or are you subject to seasons? And I don't think that it's a matter of, okay, my, my product has to be evergreen. It can't be seasonal. It's more so just knowing what you're dealing with so that you can fill in the gaps later of what you're missing. So right. take like seasonal, for example. I like the example of the woman who created that elf on the shelf with the... <laughs> 
with the yeah. letter and it's like okay i know she did a pitch at shark tank for her product right mm-hmm. so of course the first thing they go to is like okay that's a seasonal business so cool you make a million dollars at christmas time what about the rest of the year and she's like well what about the easter bunny what about the tooth fairy like these mm-hmm. are things that aren't necessarily seasonal like what about christmas in july with santa riding you make sure you're being good in july yeah. so it's not necessarily the fact of like okay it really fully has to be evergreen but just making sure you're aware of that and filling in the gaps on the back end yeah that's a that's a great point you know because the, the purpose of this is not to say that you have to check every box on the dares model there's plenty of successful businesses that don't have recurring revenue, right? This is just to say, hey, if these are kind of the ingredients, how can I get, how many of these can I fit into the recipe, right? How many of these can I fit into the, you don't have to get every, all of them, right? But how many can I fit into the recipe? Because if you just had a brick and mortar and the only thing you implemented was a digital, that's going to be transformative. If that's the only one you did, you're only selling clothes at the retail location and then you turned on your online store. If you did nothing else, you're winning, right? So it's important to understand that, hey, these are just, a few of the cornerstones uh, that could really have make you have a business that truly is potentially hands-off or scalable. However, you don't have to do all of them, which brings me to my last point, the S on the DARES model, which is scalable, right? And we hear that term thrown, a, thrown around pretty loosely, but all scalable really means is can it grow infinitely and exponentially, right? Based upon the what you're selling today, if you were to 10X your current business model, could it still work, right? Or would it break, right? And if the answer is yes, then you you have a scalable business, which means you, you have a lot of growth potential ahead of you. But not all businesses are designed to be that way. So if that's a goal that you have, you got to ask yourself, if you think about all the moving parts it takes to, to run your business or provide your service, and then you multiply it by the 10 times the amount of customers, right? Could it still work? And if so, great. And if not, is there something I could adjust to make it work to go scalable? Because, you know, what you do at one level is not necessarily going to be the same thing you're going to be able to do at the next level. I think Jacqueline, you tweeted last week, something like what you did when you had like 50,000 is not going to be the same when you had 150, right? So it's the same thing in business, right? When you're at 50,000 in revenue versus 500,000, totally different ballgame. Exactly. I have support staff, you used to be able to do it yourself, you used to be able to fulfill it yourself, things change. So just asking yourself, using that metric to just ask yourself the right questions to figure out how many of these different ingredients am I able to use, which ones are right for me, so that I can truly build a business that makes sense and help me build well. That's the only reason why we're talking about it, right? Absolutely. And the last formula that we have, arguably the most simplest formula, mm-hmm. is save money invest in assets and acquire businesses. So that's one of your wealth building formulas, right? So very simple, very straightforward. Saving money, we all know and we're aware of, George pointed out the margin. So we need a margin between our expenses and our income so that we have the ability, the flexibility in order to save money, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not just about saving money, it's about using that money that we save to invest in assets. And there's all kinds of assets, right? It's it's arguably an asset to actually pay down your high interest debt. Mm-hmm. So we can argue that you would be using some of your saved money as an investment in yourself by paying down that consumer debt. So there's there's lots of ways for you to invest in assets, right? Maybe that is going out and getting that first rental property. Maybe it is, you know, making that first investment in the stock market. Mm -hmm. Maybe investing in assets is paying for another designation or another credential so that you can actually earn more money. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's an investment in an asset. What's your what's your favorite investment? 
George. Ah, man, Uh, it's going to sound so cliche, but my greatest investment is myself. And I I love investing in information and education and anything that can improve this, because when the sharper that saw is, the more I'm able to accomplish. And it's just an asset that I just believe in. I just believe in myself so (laughs) much. It's like, well, like if I, if I get better, I can do more. And mm-hmm. that's my favorite. And again, I don't mean to be cliche, but that's my favorite asset. Second to, second to that, I would say my favorite asset would be, I would say my business. Um, because, and again, this, this is probably, we're not your, your grandpa's financial advisor, right? Most financial advisors are going to tell you to put that money in the market and, and leave it there for 30, 40 years. That's going to be the best thing you can do, right? But when I when I look at my business and you have the potential and have proven to be able to increase two, three, 400, 500% in a year, and you look at what the market can produce, that's that's a far better investment. Now, again, go back to my one of the first things I said, wealth is built through concentration, it's preserved through diversification. I take the money from the business and then I go invest it in the market, but I prioritize the business first because of the potential return. So that's my favorite asset is is investing in myself and then secondarily, um, any businesses that I own. Well, yeah, I mean, it does sound super like cliche, right? Because my answer would be the same, of course. Like I've spent thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars investing into myself. Yeah. But it makes sense because one of the questions that I will ask my clients when it comes to obtaining insurance is, okay, what is your greatest asset that you need to protect? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we want to answer like, hmm, I think it's my house or maybe my car, Mm -hmm. Um, but it's actually your ability to produce income. So that's where disability insurance comes in and why having disability insurance is so important, because if you were not able to work, Mm -hmm. how would you replace that income? So back to what you're saying, George, about, yeah, like I, I am my greatest asset. Like I am my favorite thing to invest in. It makes a lot of sense because your ability to produce income will bring you more money over your entire lifespan than most likely any investment that you're going to make. Exactly. And it's so simple, right? It's like, you just think about it. If you think about everything that produces you money today and you were to look at it, tell me, even if you have a job, your salary is definitely nine times out of 10 for most people. Your salary, your income is the thing that's producing you the most cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly. And until you get to a point where you're piling the money in other places and the money's making you money. And, and ideally, right, it, it, it transcends. But in the in the in the wealth building phase, nine point nine times out of ten, unless you got an inheritance and then that cash is like producing a lot of interest or, or or return on investment, it's you. It's you. So I'm glad that you share those sentiments. Yeah. And I'll be honest, my goal, and this is gonna sound really lofty, and people a lot of people don't even know that this is real, but my goal is to self-insure. And a lot of times people think self-insure by way of like maybe car insurance or life insurance. I'm talking about disability insurance, okay? I want to go back to my disability insurance company and say, hey, hey, I made this much money, okay? Go ahead and insure me for this. And they're going to say, yeah, you make way too much money. There's no way that we can insure you. You need to self-insure. I had that happen to a client one time and I was like, oh, that's goals. That's cool. Well, it's just out of curiosity. Do you remember what that number, like what the threshold was or the range? Um, I don't want to be quoted on that, but I'll, I'll, I'll get you the answer. Got it. Oh, see, she's one of those people where I should not on the record. You won't it's, give me. It's, it's high though. It's high, it. but that's, it's that's the goal. That's like, that's, I'm gonna put that on the shirt. Yeah. But, but it's the fact of, of having the money in your account, right? Because I'll have that conversation with a lot of my clients that are closer to being retirees, if not already retired and wondering, okay, should I have life insurance 
or not. And I'm like, okay, we can look at your assets. We can look at your net worth and say, oh yeah, actually you can self-insure. You don't need life insurance. So my goal is to be able to be turned down by a disability insurance company before I'm 50. That that makes sense. I guess my only question with the self-insure thing in, in the event that you could insure, right? Would it, wouldn't it be more advantageous or economical though? Let's say about like the life insurance piece, right? Okay. I got a few million in the bank. That's great. But if I look at what it would cost me to have that policy, right, relative to what I'm paying for that, especially if it's like permanent insurance, um, or I guess it wouldn't matter if it's term or permanent, but relative to what I'm paying for and what I get out of it, wouldn't it seem like it's more advantageous to just kind of lock that in so I could be a little more aggressive with the investments that I have outside of, you know, outside of that? So you mean like life insurance now, lock that in? Yeah, like locking it in or just in general, right? Like if you, let's say you got life insurance, you needed 3 million of life insurance, but you had $3 million. So you're like, okay, technically I don't need to self-insure, but if I died tomorrow, I'd much rather have want my family to have that three million cash to be able to invest more, make make more money for me, and then for pennies on the dollar, I was able to insure my life or be more aggressive with that three million, and then doesn't have to sit in a war chest because I had no I had life insurance. That's just my my thoughts. Like, what do you think on that? No, it makes complete sense, and I think it all just ties back to what your goals are. Mm-hmm. So if your goals are to make sure that your family has three million liquid, no matter what you're doing with your assets. And it makes complete and total sense. But if you're like the majority of the clients that I've worked with and they're like, no, 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 they don't need that much money. It doesn't cost that much to bury me. And I'm, you know, usually typically people are older having that conversation. Right. Right. So I think that it does make sense depending upon your goals. For me, I live in that camp of my family doesn't need an extra three million upon uh, my death. (laughs) So (laughs) that's a conversation for another day, though. We'll take a deep dive into that. But so investing your money. Right. We got that. And then this last piece may or may not work for everybody. It's the acquiring businesses piece. So we've got save money, we've got invest in assets, and we've got acquire businesses. And the acquire businesses piece is huge because of what you touched on, George, which is like, hey, you know, I am able to do, you know, X, Y, and Z with my company. And I've seen the growth typically be higher. Mm-hmm. And also you have more control over it, but you see the growth in your your company and your business being higher than potentially investing in maybe Amazon or Home Depot or something like that. So I see acquiring businesses making sense from the standpoint of the time freedom and the financial freedom, because depending on how you break down that financial freedom, you know, the ability for you to go out and produce more income from your business is potentially fulfilling that financial freedom position, right? So then you're getting some of the time wealth from that formula as well by acquiring a business. Facts, facts. Now that makes sense. Cool. Well, I mean, we just gave y'all four, we'll say three wealth building formulas and then one strategy on how to implement an aspect of a formula. Um, so, you know, you guys can take this, uh, dice it, slice it, blend it, whatever you want to do to create your own formula um, so that you can build wealth too. Um, and of course, uh, if you need help or guidance doing this, uh, you know, whether that's you need it in a more intimate capacity and we're accepting clients, feel free to check out CapitalWise or if you need it in a more coaching environment, right, or community, I should say, environment, then you can head over to Pocket Advisor um, if you need some assistance. If not, uh, just re-listen to this episode. Hopefully you took some great notes. 
Um, and we're so excited to see, you know, how you're able to build wealth for yourself. And uh, Jacqueline, is there any kind of closing thoughts you have to wrap, tie up this episode? Go ahead and, and hit that FYFS button. Absolutely. Quick. Fix your financial shit. So in order for you to do that, I'm going to need you to pick a formula or kind of make your own hybrid, if you will. Mm-hmm. I need you to go ahead and do that. That's going to be your fix your financial shit um, moment for this week. So we look forward to hearing from everybody. If you come up with a really great wealth building formula, please share it with us. Leave a review. Again, we're giving away a book for a review on this episode. So we hope to see a lot of reviews and we look forward to talking with you soon. Absolutely. Peace. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in to an episode of the Uncensored Show. Take at least one thing you heard today and apply it to your life immediately so that you can become one step closer to living a more meaningful and fulfilling life and aligning your resources to what matters most to you. Remember, money is just a resource to fuel your journey. The question is, what's yours?